Welcome back, community group leaders, to the Deeper Podcast, where we partner with you as you help your groups deepen the relationship with God, His Word, and people. My name is Jeremy Wynn. I'm back again as the host of the Deeper Podcast, and we're joined for the very first time by Doug Congdon, our family ministry team lead. Doug, welcome to the Deeper Podcast. We're glad you're here. Thank you. It's uh, it's good to be here. Long-time listener, first-time caller. So... Well, hopefully uh, you'll feel that way by the end of the podcast. Very true. Yeah, let's wait. Um, So, Doug, you like to have fun, and and, uh, I need fun in my life, and we also want to get to know you a little better, so we're going to play a little game to begin. So we're going to play a game called Two Truths and a Lie, where Doug's going to share three things, and I'm going to just guess, and our listeners at home, like you guys can think about which one you think is the lie. Okay. You got three things? Yeah, sounds right, good. So go I'm notoriously bad at these games, and uh, so I called my wife to ask her what I should say in Two Truths and a Lie. So all of these have to do with her. So, I mean, our relationship. So here are the three statements I would make. First of all, I married a girl that I have known since birth. So whole lives known each other. Second statement I married a girl who was my brother's first kiss. Third statement, I married a girl who was my best friend's ex-girlfriend. Oh, man. Okay. Same one more time. Okay. I married a girl I've known my whole life. Okay. I married a girl who was my brother's first kiss. Married a girl who was my best friend's ex-girlfriend. Okay. So I knew that there was some connection with you and your brother. So I don't I don't know. I haven't heard anything about a kiss, but I I don't know. I've heard something about that. I don't know who your best friend was. But I think Lee's like six years younger than you or something. Four, yeah. So I'm yeah. wondering. I don't know. Would your best friend also like date also someone younger be, uh, and stuff? And then known, robber. known wow. since birth. I know that his <clears throat> family, I think they were part of Topeka and stuff growing up and mm. things. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go with your best friend's ex is the lie. Wow. That was really good. I mean, wrong, but like <laughs> you thought through it really well and that's what's important. And I didn't know you knew that much about us. So that makes me feel better. Thank okay. you. So yeah, we her family did grow up in Topeka. Our families were good friends, so knew her since um, she was born. And then Mike Habercorn. Do you remember oh, Mike Habercorn? He's yes. my best friend. And he was my biology teacher in high school. Shut up, really? Yeah. He came back and taught for <laughs> one year. I do not remember that stage of his life. Um, he was fun. And he dated... We were at an internship uh, doing student ministry and Lee came and worked and we both liked her. And I was like, you should, you should go for it, man. So they dated and we were living together in seminary at the time, Mikey and I were, and uh, they dated. So I had to watch their relationship up close, which was rough, but. But you were there to console her and come alongside. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be so bad. No. And and my, my little brother, Craig, you were right. uh, He liked her. He like uh, visited her when they like moved away to Colorado and Minnesota. But despite the fact that they both liked each other at different times, they never actually, you know, got together or dated or kissed or anything. So, okay. Yeah. So that was, so the second one was yeah. the lie. Yeah. The brother. All one. right. Good job. Well, now we know you better, more we know Lee better, <laughs> yeah. but that works. Uh, well, before we get into the passage for today, I've just got one other just update for you all. So for those of you that listen 
listen to the Deeper Podcast or watch. Um, we send out a weekly email on Thursdays that give you um, different things that are helpful for you as well as questions for the week. And on there, we have a link for how you can access the Deeper Podcast. Well, I just want to let you know that we record this on Thursdays. So Doug actually did his run through for the service this morning, and now we're recording it Thursday afternoon. And we try to upload it as quickly as we can, but usually it ends up being about Saturday morning. So some of you get my email on Thursday and you click and you're like, it's not uploaded. Like, why'd you just send me this link? <laughs> so just wanted to help set that expectation that uh, it'll be up every week by Saturday at 11 a.m. It could get up there earlier, but expect for it for sure to be up there by Saturday morning. So hopefully that helps you as you plan out your week and think through when to listen to this and when to prep for your groups. With that, Doug, let's yeah. uh, get into the passage for today. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 9. Verse 35 through chapter 10, verse 5, the first part of that, yeah. verse 5a. So give us just some context for this, because last time uh, we talked with with groups, we were just finishing up the Sermon on the Mount, and then a little bit's passed. So just set the context for where we're at before we jump in. Yeah. So uh, if you were paying attention to the sermon, you know the Sermon on the Mount ends at the end of chapter 7 in Matthew. And so we go through and kind of skip chapter 8 and almost all of chapter 9 to get to our passage for this week. And what happens in chapter 8 and chapter 9 is that when Jesus comes down from the mountain, he has crowds following him, and he goes throughout the towns uh, right around the Sea of Galilee there. He heals a lot of sick people. He casts out demons. He uh, preaches and teaches um, in those towns, and the, the crowds continue to grow and um, follow Jesus wherever he goes. And so we see a ton of miracles packed into chapters 8 and 9 and the crowds and um, Jesus's fame, in a sense, growing um, as this messianic kind of figure, this king that's coming with a new kingdom that he just talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. So, All right, well, let me read the passage. So we're in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 says this, And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called to him his twelve and gave them authority over clean spirits, over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, uh, go nowhere among the Blech. Gentiles. Oh, Blech. stop there. Yeah. Jesus sent them out. <laughs> uh, so, Doug, in your yeah. sermon, you do a great job laying out this passage and going into different things. So as a community group leader, as they've read this passage this week, as they've heard your sermon, you know, what is the one big takeaway you want them to, to take away from this passage? Yeah. Uh, I think it is that idea that everybody is called to the harvest field. So uh, during group time, I would want the deeper thought process, maybe the deeper discussion to be around where has God called you right now to be a laborer in his harvest field? Is that in your um, 
place of employment? Is that in your family? Is that uh, in your school? Maybe if you are, um, man, if you're open to it, does that mean leaving? Does that mean you're called to be a missionary? Does that mean you're you're called to go, you know, far from home to spread the good news? But everybody is called to be a part of it. So what's your, what are you called to? Um, and then as you study this passage this week and you're prepared for the sermon, is there anything that you studied that you didn't include in your sermon, or you will include in your sermon, <laughs> uh, that you'd like to share with the, the leaders here? Um, the only things I can think of are, they're kind of trivia they're kind of fun things that I... Oh, fun. We're having all kinds of fun today. (laughs) (laughs) So much fun. Um, And so some of it's around the disciples. So we don't, in the sermon, I won't talk about the disciples, um, but I did just find out in my research that, you know, the list of the disciples is in all of the gospels. And there are a couple of similarities across all the gospels. The first one is, Jeremy, who do you think the first apostle slash disciple is that's mentioned in every list. James. Really? No, Interesting. Is it? Peter. Peter. Peter, yes. yeah. Peter is mentioned first. First and, to jump in. Yeah. Always. He's always first to jump in, right? He's always first to say something. And it is a reminder that, yeah, he was a leader of the Jerusalem church, you know, after Christ fell. They looked to Peter for yeah. leadership, which is saying something because, again, we see him say and do a lot of dumb things. Um, and then who's the last in every list? Judas. Yeah, Judas. He's a, yeah, If he's mentioned at all, he is last. Yeah. So the other thing that uh, is not made explicit in Matthew, but there's a couple different accounts of the same sending out that Jesus does in Mark and Luke. And uh, in those two, it says that he sent them out two by two which again, isn't explicit in Matthew, but if you're reading the text, you'll notice that the 12 are split into twos uh, in the way that they're listed. And mm-hmm. so you can figure out which disciples went you know, together. And so you feel a little bit bad for Simon the Zealot because he got put with Judas. But uh, there is that sense that I... I wonder how he drafted that order. <laughs> you know, he's like... <laughs> Snake draft or auction? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't... That's a good question. Because bro- a couple of the brothers are together. Okay. So he probably was like, that's good. You guys know each other. But yeah, I don't know how the rest of them yeah. fell into line. Um, but there is that sense of partnership in ministry, like it is way easier to do the hard things in ministry when you have a partner in it. And so there's a, we're not going to talk anything at all about that concept, but um, I did love the picture of doing it side by side. So those are the only things I could think of that I did more in the sermon. That's good. Thank you for sharing those. Yeah. All right. Now let's get to kind of the, where the, we, uh, we make our money on this podcast. <laughs> That's in our <laughs> application questions. So the first one is one that we do every week, okay. and it's titled Preaching to Yourself. And so it's looking at what aspect of the passage challenged you the most and how are you walking with Jesus differently because of it? And I can share first. Good. And we can have you go after that. Okay. So for me, one of the things that people are going to hear from your sermon is just being able to really feel and picture Jesus' humanity and specifically how Jesus had compassion on those that were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Mm. And so one of the things that really convicted me is, you know, how quick am I when I see a person or a situation or something where someone is acting like they're harassed, like they're helpless, like they're just lost. How do I quickly, do I go to to criticism or judgment of, well, they probably are here because they made poor decisions or whatever it might be, instead of having a lens of what Jesus does, of having a lens of compassion and of love. Mm 
So that's what challenged me. And then how I want to walk differently is it is cliche in the sense of I want to make sure I, I listen to people and love people well. But what I mean by that is this, instead of seeing someone and where they're at in their situation, just being like, well, here's like my judgment, my criticism of them, leaning in and actually asking questions and having a relationship and really understanding like what is actually going on in their life. Mm. And so slowing down, taking time to ask them questions. And then through that, not having a preconceived like, well, here's the solution. Here's what they should do to change. But as I listen, allow the Holy Spirit to work in my life, discern what does it look like to live out that compassion, that love? Is it simply to pray for them? Is there is there something to serve within them or is there something else I can do? But really allow not what I think is best for them, but what God and the Holy Spirit are, are sharing is, is best for them. So that's something that definitely challenged with me and hopefully I can walk differently because of it. Hmm. What about what about you, Doug? That's good. Um, I think it's the application piece of like the big takeaway that I mentioned earlier. Um, Lee and I at different points in our marriage have talked about, you know, is God calling us to missions and uh, is this something that we're supposed to dedicate our lives to or go overseas? And in the end, we've always felt the answer to that is no, that God calls us to, in a sense, be a laborer in the harvest that is here in the States or in Topeka or in Austin when we were there. Um, And we feel, you know, we reach different points of comfortability with that. But I think as we get into mission fields, like Topeka is my mission, my street that I live on is my mission field. Um, And I think I come into those environments when I'm coming into them for the first couple of times with that mindset of like, okay, how am I influencing this place for the kingdom of God? And then over time, I think it just wears off um, to the point where if I have a relationship with a neighbor or I can't really say a coworker in my instance, but uh, where I know they need Christ, where they are the harassed and helpless um, sheep and they need the good shepherd, I am slow um, to speak the truth of Christ into their situation. I think I just rely, I like hope that my winsome personality and our, our like growing relationship will just magically turn into them loving Jesus over time uh, without seeing it as like, man, they are a harvest that is ready right now. And if they only could hear, you know, the word of God, who knows what would happen. And so it's kind of the apathy in my own like field that God has placed me in to actually take the step to like do some harvesting. So that's the, so what, what it means I need to do differently. Honestly, I just think of the relationships where I know people are lost and I have um, sympathized and empathized with them and let them know that I hear them, but I haven't gone the extra step of saying, Hey, I have a solution. It's not me, but I have a solution. And so that's where I need to work on being more bold in that. I love how different we are. <laughs> well, because like part of mine was not sharing a solution or something, but taking time to listen, and it might be just like, yeah. and yours is like, <laughs> the I need to be like <laughs> the opposite of that. Yes, which that's is a great point. Okay, um, question number two: As you read Matthew chapter nine, verse twenty-seven, you see a world where. Oh, sorry. As you read that, as well as as we see in the world around us, where the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. What is your first response to this reality? Now, Jesus gives us the answer of what it should be in the second part of this. Mm. But how? Do, where, where do we start when we see this reality that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few? And I know for me, my... I actually had to kind of think about this a little bit and kind of like dig a little deeper. And I got to... My first response is honestly, I'm overwhelmed. Mm. I'm overwhelmed with the number of 
people that don't know Jesus, the number of people groups that don't know Jesus, the number, the, what it feels like Christianity and less Christians in America and just all these different things. So it can feel overwhelming at first. Mm-hmm. And then you can start to feel discouraged for, for me because I'm, I'm a pastor. I mean, I'm a missions and discipleship pastor. Like this is my job to help mobilize the church and send out laborers. And mm-hmm. when I see in scripture and I see the world around me like that, the laborers are few. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I can begin to, begin to feel discouraged. And so then it moves to, okay, let's get action. And, and you called me, <laughs> you called me out of this beautifully in your run through that my, my go-to because of feeling overwhelmed, feeling discouraged is like, okay, well, I'm not going to let it get me down. Let's move to action. Let's mobilize the church. Let's get an action plan. Let's get it going. And that's just contrary to what Jesus said, which is where we're supposed to start with prayer because the most we can do uh, is pray and allow as we pray for God to shape our heart and for allow God to be the one that moves and shows us exactly what it looks like and not have us get ahead of God and what his plans are. Doug, what about you? I don't know that I could have said it better. Honestly, I that progression is the same for me. Overwhelmed first especially when you hear news about um, how many people groups still don't have the the Bible. Um, and then it moves to discouragement, not like necessarily a personal, this is my job, why isn't it happening more? But just like, uh, we are the church, you know, why isn't this happening more? Um, and that turns personal, like, am I doing enough? You know, is, is God looking at me with disappointment in his face, which is, you know, Joe's comment all the time about what, what do you picture? God's face at when he looks at you. And so when it comes to this topic, generally I'm like, oh, I don't know. Is God looking at me like, man, you should be doing more? Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to kind of rid myself of that um, feeling of disapproval. Um, and then it goes into, all right, let me do the best I can. Where where am I at? What has God gifted me to do and where has he put me? So it's very similar to yours. Yeah. I'll let you answer the next one first. Oh, okay. okay. So uh, number three I, the question I have is this, where do you need to have boldness for the gospel where apathy has previously existed? And I think the question behind the question is kind of what you talked about, you know, where has God called you to right now to be a laborer in the harvest? Mm-hmm. And so I think this question is kind of talking about if we're called to be a laborer in the harvest, uh, what is it that's kind of holding us back? So where do we need to have boldness where apathy has previously existed? What is... You've talked about, I think, a little bit this in question number one, but Mm -hmm. how would you respond? I think for me, it's conversationally and generally. I, man, have a lot of conversations now with people who are lost. That has always been a struggle working in a church to, you know, um, stay in connection with the broader world and people who aren't already saved. But so when we're having conversations and they're talking about difficulties at work or marriage, um, my apathy is if I talk about Christ. If I talk about the gospel, there will be awkwardness in this relationship. They will shut down and not share further things with me. It is basically a fear of, I have the control of this relationship and and I don't want to ruin that. In reality, the truth is God has control of that relationship. And if I am willing to speak the truth, God will do what he wants. And so I have to remember that instead of thinking, you know, I have a 
I have a base drive that I want everybody to like me. And so getting rid of that and saying, you know, I'm not a servant of man, I'm a servant of God. And so if God's called me into this conversation, into this relationship, how selfish of me not to offer the hope that I have in him, even if in the moment it's weird or awkward or changes things, like God can do what he wants with that. Yeah. I think for me, uh, it's it's neighbors. So we we recently just moved, and we had a really mm. sweet relationship with a lot of our previous neighbors. And my wife is so good at being mm. intentional with neighbors. Ditto. And we've moved to a new place, and it's kind of like oh, we got to make new friends again. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> that's true. It, it can be easy of you know your home is your refuge and safe place, and especially yep. as we're unpacking boxes, it's like. We just got to get this done. We'll figure out our neighbors later. <laughs> but my wife's done just such a good job of literally, I think every day she's like, hey, I just met this person. Like, here's what's going on with them. And this person has kids and everything. And so uh, oh. when I th- – apathy is usually not a word that I, so I, I would think of for me. But yeah, I'm like, man, I really do have apathy for my neighbors, and that's not good. Hmm. So I'm going to follow my wife's lead on this one hmm. and learn from her of what does it look like to be intentional with, with our neighbors and – have boldness for the gospel um, within that space. That's awesome. Way to go, Paige. Any uh, final thoughts before pray for groups? No, I don't think so. Okay. Could you just pray for our group leaders as they go into this week and leading the groups? Yeah, for sure. Let's pray. Um, We pray to you, the Lord of the harvest. Um, God, I know you have your eyes in Topeka, and you know... um, you know that the harvest is plentiful and you know where it is plentiful, God. And, uh, and I hope that you look down at us as a church and as community group leaders and you say, okay, I know that I have laborers that are willing to work um, in the harvest fields here uh, at FBC and in these community groups. And and God, I pray that as these leaders lead their discussions this week and, and pour over scripture and um, listen to the guidance of your Holy Spirit, Um, God, that they would open up the eyes of some of the people in this group who have never seen themselves before as evangelists, who have never seen themselves as as having the knowledge or the confidence to to share the truth of the gospel uh, with neighbors or friends or coworkers or wherever you're calling them. And so, God, may the eyes of these groups be open to how they can join in the harvest. Um, Will you give them the motivation that motivated Jesus, which is that deep compassion for the the lost sheep of Topeka, um, and inspire them to um, and to go out into the harvest fields and to do their work, knowing that you, God, are with them every step of the way, and that you ultimately are in control uh, of who comes to know you. Um, so God, give them wisdom as they lead. Give them peace as they lead discussion. Um, we lift them up to you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as we look ahead, one of the things that's happening for us tomorrow, as you listen to this podcast, might have already happened, is the daddy-daughter dance. So you've actually given a lot of energy to this, so thank you for doing that. What can they expect for those that maybe didn't even go this year or those that are planning to go? What's it going to look like? Uh, Yeah, it's been a whirlwind. So we are are at 250 dads and daughters. How many were you? That's more than you were expecting. Yes, I thought, I said to the team, if we can get to 150, that'd be great. So we might by by tomorrow night, we might double that, which would be (laughs) intense. So we've been scrambling to buy lots more amazing cupcakes and cookies and cotton candy. And we got another face painter and another balloon animal person. And We've got the dance set up in the limbo. It's going to be a blast. It really is. Um, so if you're not coming this year, uh, 
we're going to make it even better next year. All right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Uh, and then I last week on our podcast, I said this week I was going to talk more about the deeper experience. Forgot that Doug was going to be here and not Joe. So next week, we'll give you much more details about what the deeper experience is going to look like on Thursday, uh, October 28th, 6 to 9 here at Fellowship as we walk through the life of Jesus as according to Matthew. So the final looking ahead I'll have, and then we'll wrap up, is next week, we're going to have another announcement for you. I'm going to tease it a little bit here, but we're going to be able to reveal a little bit about some new staff coming on to help with community groups and even just some more of some of the vision direction that that'll look like. So stay tuned for next week as we come up with some exciting announcements for all of you. But with that, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deeper Podcast. Hopefully this has been helpful for you as we get to partner with you as you help deepen the relationship with God, His Word, and people. Thank you for all you do to lead your groups, and we look forward to see you next week. We'll see you guys. Have a good one. Bye.